All right. Yeah. Stow school plus three, two, one. Untitled Beatles podcast. Because that's that love starts with a slow count in. One, two, thank you. Three, three, four, four. I, I misread this as slow school. This is our episode about the Stowe School, TJ. Oh, here's five more jokes about the slow school that you probably can't do anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes, get that vaudeville cane out. It's the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony. And I drink a vaudeville Coke. And with my cane, it's vaudeville cocaine. <laughs> vaudeville Coke. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. TJ, we are going to talk about the recently leaked Stowe boarding school concert that the Beatles put on in uh, early 1963. I'm excited that we finally got to hear it. Me too. And I want to say for all of you gentlemen who are listening who are 46, 47 or older, recently leaking is fine, especially late <laughs> at night. It's not abnormal. Sometimes you got to get up and go every half hour. <laughs> Cue the ruddles. Get up and go. <laughs> That's the one. Get up and go is the Ruddles tune that <laughs> <laughs> made the even the Beatles be like, yeah, that's too close. Yeah, yeah, the get back one. Yeah, because the solo is is it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's the solo is actually very hilarious, but the music itself is it's the same, same thing. Song. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will talk about that. We're going to talk about some recent releases. In Beatle World, we got some Dolly Parton, we got some Ringo, we got some Nils. TJ, I was uh, I was actually driving across the country yet again, and I finally hit your beloved Drake Diner. Yes. In Des Moines. Des Moines, Iowa. That place saved my soul over two not unhappy years at Drake University, but I, I wasn't I I didn't love love it, and the Drake Diner was a great like it was a happy place. It was like if Oldies 104.3 was a restaurant. It was like Ed <laughs> yeah. Bevix without the kitsch. It's like literal Ed yeah. Bevix, which is great. <laughs> and uh, they had a burger called the Maytag Blue Cheese Burger that I would just eat, and I would dip French fries, crinkle-cut fries in their homemade Thousand Island dressing to date the best Thousand Island dressing I've ever had, homemade. Don't bring me a bottle of uh, Kraft Holmes. I don't know why I'd prefer to use Holmes in a dressing. Situation. <laughs> yeah. Leave, leave me. Don't call me that when we're talking about dressings, TJ. Mm. Mm. It's the, the one time it's contextually inappropriate. You yeah. had a burger there. How was the Drake Diner? I enjoyed the Drake Diner. As you said, yeah, it is. It's it's like an Ed DeBevix. It looks like that Portillo's in Addison that we went to, you know. Yep. It's 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 your classic 50s uh diner. That serves up groovy burgers. Yeah. So I was going to get the Maytag burger because uh, I've heard you rave about it. I had no idea that the Maytag burger contained blue cheese. Yeah. So I'm not a blue cheese guy. Not everyone likes blue cheese. If you like feet, you like blue cheese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Irving exactly. Berlin song. <laughs> My feet. <laughs> So I got the the rare bit burger. Okay, ooh. And it was served open face, which I like cuz I'm, you know, trying to cut back on my bread. Yeah, you're 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 a carb freak. I'm a carb freak, but I did get the crispy cut fries, whatever they they look like onion rings. Oh no, I got onion rings, I guess. Yeah. That's what I got. They were onion strings. Anyway, it was very good. Very good. Good. I wish I I wish I liked blue cheese is what I'm trying to say, TJ. I wish I liked it. I just don't, you know. Tony, did you order the Thousand Island Dressing Homes. <laughs> Don't call me home. Sorry, wrong context. But we're talking about dressing. <laughs> I, I don't like Thousand Island Dressing either. Then TJ, don't I'm go to the to Drake say. fucking diner ever again. 
<laughs> okay, I've been banished. I'm sorry. Ooh. Okay, well that that did, that went a direction I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I'll see our real burger fan friends on Meet and Eat Monday. Meet and Eat Monday. I did enjoy my burger, TJ, and uh, if you enjoy burgers, and if you enjoy this program, Segway King, be sure to like and subscribe to the Untitled Beatles podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, write us a kind review, live your life outside the YouTube comment section, be kind, review. Yeah, that's that's catchy, Tony. They should put that on Redbox. The Redbox movie rental company is working with authorities to try to find out who's responsible for switching a kid's movie with porn. The Rockland man who rented Smurfs 2 was shocked to get smut instead. Hey, man, we also have a Patreon, and if you have the means and are feeling generous, you can join and become part of our Discord family. Anthony in Portland, recently on the Discord, shared with us a rousing hi-fi version of uh, Willis, Kimberly, and Charlene from Different Strokes singing Ebony and Ivory. What did you think of this performance of <laughs> Ebony and Ivory? Uh, well, I learned who Charlene was. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, she was fine. I, I had a crush on Charlene yeah. back in the day. I'd yeah. forgotten who Charlene was. Willis's girlfriend. You two bozos are referring to a young Janet Jackson. Jackson I thought it was great. It was very au courant. <laughs> What did yeah. you think of it, Tony? <laughs> I thought it sucked. I was railing against them in the YouTube comments. <laughs> Fuck Charlene. Different strokes sucks. Should be called different sucks. <laughs> I hate myself. Why doesn't anyone love me? I live in the comment section. Everybody sucks. I'm coming for you, Conrad Bain. Point me to your grave. <laughs> what? What in the world are you talking about? So thank you, Anthony, for Portland and sharing that. Another one of our Discord people, Max Como in Montreal, he just put out a McCartney covers record. It's him with Malik Rashawn on jazz piano, and he does a bunch of McCartney covers, including one from McCartney 3. It's a great variety of McCartney tunes. Really well played. Nice going. So thank you. And you can find that on uh, Max Como on Bandcamp. Play McCartney is the name of the record. TJ, there has been an onslaught of recent Beatle releases coming out of the Beatle verse. I mean, two and a half. If you want to call that an onslaught. Onslaught? I'm glad you said that word. Onslaught was the (laughs) fake record company in the episode of WKRP where Johnny went to L.A. and then came back, got the late shift, and the guy who replaced him was taking payola from the the record rep at Onslaught Records. (laughs) Payola, that's great. Uh Great payola episode. And it ended with a big cocaine joke. Where Mr. Carlson was, uh, got the, he saw the DJ with the white powder, and the DJ goes, you put it on your feet. So Mr. Carlson's putting it on his feet when he <laughs> learns he, it's cocaine. He's like, oh, I got a monkey on my foot. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great thing. Well, Dolly Parton put out a cover of Let It Be. It's Dolly Parton feet. <laughs> Little <Speaking> feet. Feet. <laughs> feet. Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. Let it be, 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 So this is Dolly Parton playing. What do we call them now? It's not the Threedles. Is this the Toodles? 
teach me. <laughs> hey, meet the toodles. <laughs> the toodles. <laughs> Talk about, you know, Ringo eating all those Heinz beans. Now he's in the toodles. <laughs> Suitcase full of toodles. <laughs> so I took two suitcases with me. One of clothes and one of Heinz beans. There's a plug for you. Is it the new Nurk twins? What do we call Paul and Ringo, you know? Ringo can't be a Nurk. I guess... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's no way Ringo's a Nurk. No. He's too cool, man. <laughs> hey, are you a Nurk? Hey, you guys aren't Narks, are you? Whoa! <laughs> whoa, 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 no! Dude, come on. Maybe you're a Nurk. Hey, you know who calls people Narks? Narks. Narc. <laughs> I think I think Ringo alerted the uh, police at the airport in Japan <laughs> in 1980. <laughs> Did you know Peter Frampton plays on this? That's his guitar solo. Yeah. And then Mick Fleetwood plays drums on this as well. So once again, Ringo, poor Ringo, relegated to tambourine. <laughs> George Martin made that decision as well. If Dolly Parton ever records Let It Be... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ringo played drums on this. That's a joke. <laughs> so full disclosure, man, I like Dolly Parton. I respect Dolly Parton. TJ, I've been to Dollywood. I've ridden Dollywood roller coasters. Um, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's all right. So not everyone likes blue cheese. I think it's yeah, it's 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 fine. I, I guess I find it to be unnecessary. I don't know. Do we need this cover? I don't know. Did it make me mad? No. Did it make me laugh or cringe? I mean, that whisper bit did a little yes. bit. <laughs> right. Let it be. <laughs> well, the voice isn't the same. That's our thing too. I like Dolly Parton. My mom loved Dolly Parton. So yeah. Up, yeah. Listen to a lot of Dolly Parton. In fact, the movie soundtrack of Bessel Whorehouse in Texas is a soundtrack <laughs> I know a little on the too well side. <laughs> See, my folks wouldn't even let me watch that movie. You know what I mean? Okay. It has the word whorehouse in it. You know, I'm like eight, you know. I <laughs> yeah. I mean, in retrospect, I think my parents might have been crazy, but my mom <laughs> loved the Broadway musical. So then we had the soundtrack of the um, of Dolly singing, Hey... Maybe I'll dye my hair. About <laughs> that side of me, know. nobody wants to know. <laughs> the one that can play the score to Best of the Rose in Texas on, on demand. I didn't know it had a power ballad in there. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it totally did. It was a big power ballad moment written by Carol Hall, who wrote a lot of the music for Sesame Street. Oh and, wow! Any and like one of the first mainstream successful. Broadway composers uh, who wasn't a man. So that's a cool thing about her too. But yeah, at any rate, Dolly Parton and this cover, as much as I like her, and I think it's badass that her Christmas album a year ago, she released on 8-track, is so fucking cool. <laughs> she knew 8-tracks of it. This is totally unnecessary and lovely, and I'm happy it exists. And after playing it once, I don't think I'll ever intentionally hear it again. Yeah, I guess I'm in the same boat. It yeah, it's like all star karaoke. I'm glad Paul and Ringo are playing on it. That gives it some cred. That said, I would I would have preferred to hear Polythene Pam. <laughs> yeah, or like, an, what about Dolly doing? I don't want to spoil the party. Oh, that'd be fun. Or I've just seen a face. One or of their country feels a songs. bit more yeah. country. Or, or yeah, Dolly yeah. doing I'm a loser. <laughs> I don't think those words would ever come out of her mouth, right? I think she's such a, a a beacon of like positivity and like making your own path, you know, right? Yeah, but sometimes that path involves getting out of bed and stumbling to the kitchen. And there then what go. either you pour yourself a cup of ambition, <laughs> yawn and stretch and you try to come to life. I'm gonna do this by memory if I can. Something else happens in the bus stop bumping down to ten then traffic is jumping and that's where I lose. Be careful if you do sign up for that song at karaoke. You're you're in for a ride, man. <laughs> it goes it's like a dude duet that's a solo yeah yeah man <laughs> it's like a gilbert and sullivan experience <laughs> yeah so i i am thrilled she did it i'm gonna go ahead and give this uh because of the beatles involvement three fabs okay yeah i'll give it uh i'll give it two and a half just to be that guy the Eber to my Cisco, the dear goddess to my god <laughs> yeah i said god <laughs> Let it be, 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 let it be
Dolly has a new rock covers album coming out in November. It's called Rock Star. Look for that. I don't. Why are we plugging that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Because <laughs> we we get a cut. <laughs> that's right. We do. It's, that's how internet advertising works. <laughs> Yeah, for a minute I thought we were like doing professional radio again. <laughs> like, you can uh, check that out. Dolly Parton's new release coming out uh, right around Black Friday. That's Friday, November 22nd. It's going to be able to all music at the same good locations. We're going to do traffic and weather just a moment, but right now let's hear a little bit of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hear a little bit of the new Ringo Starr single. The song is called Rewind Forward. What's your name? Where are you going to? When I first put this on, there's like a synth thing going on. It's like the opening to Stranger Things season nine or whatever. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> is this uh, is this Ringo doing Blind Man part two? Let's hear it. <laughs> but no, the drums kick in. The jangly yeah. guitar kicks in. It's another mid-tempo Ringo agnostic Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. Tune, which is great. I am not going to begrudge Ringo putting out his message of peace and love, or in this case, love and peace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he, he does invert it for the first time in 50 songs about the topic. But if he's going to sing about, you know, if he's going to sing about stuff, you know, yeah. it's like Paul said in Pipes of Peace, help them to learn songs of joy instead of burn, baby, burn. <laughs> yeah. Paul in 83 referencing a disco song from 78. Yeah. <laughs> Paul McCartney (laughs) plunging down the plunger on the disco demolition (laughs) night at Comiskey Park. One, two, three, (laughs) You know I don't mind, Steve Dole. (laughs) Yeah, man, uh, rewind forward. First of all, I kind of wish Ringo would release an EP based on a VCR instruction manual. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe then Blockbuster Video would go back in business. Maybe that's what he's trying to do. Like one of the dumbest Erasma songs in a sea of dumb Erasma songs is called Just Push Play. <laughs> Just push play when they're screaming at you about I didn't know they were singing about VCRs. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, God bless you, Ringo. This is one that as a collector I go. Do I buy it on cassette and never listen to it for the novelty of it? Or do I buy the 10-inch vinyl and never listen to it? And I think I'm going to buy the tape. Yeah, because you bought the tape last time, didn't you? I bought the last couple Ringo. My favorite Ringo thing he said in the last... The best Ringo things in the last 20 years are A, peace and love, that rant, and B, when he told Jimmy Kimmel that his album sold its most copies on cassette tape. (laughs) Well, there you go, man. There you go. I think you got to buy it on cassette. I'm one of them, yeah. <laughs> Restore the stars. Well, thank you, Ringo, for putting that out. We love you, Ringo. Peace and love. We do love you. Keep, keep it going. Yeah, man. Keep it going. And then Ringo also plays drums, right? On a new Nils track? Yeah, there's a new Nils Lofkin track. And every time I think there's a new Nils track, it turns out it's from an album in 77 no one's <laughs> ever heard. But th- this, is not, uh, this is not Shine Silently. What I read about this track that Ringo's playing drums on is that it's Nils' response to kind of the Trump era lies of the last seven years that don't seem to be going away for a segment of um, the American uh, uh, population. Yeah. This is Nils Lofgren singing a song about that. Fine. Man, you're kissing on your soul 
Yeah, we need more of that. We need more of that. Yeah, and Paul tried a protest song on Egypt Station called Despite Repeated Warnings. Right. Which was using the Trump era as a sea captain as the metaphor. That didn't make any grammatical sense, but I think you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) The captain won't be listening to what's being said. Yeah, I think what you meant to say, TJ, was rubber soul. Rubber soul. Hey, <laughs> Paul's on a boat. <laughs> That's the what original. You meant. I'm on a boat. Is Paul's on a boat? Well, thank you, Ringo, for playing on that song, uh, and thank you, Nils, for writing that song. And yeah, man, new rock, new rock from the Beatleverse, and some old rock from our beloved Fabs. <laughs> Take off your pants. <laughs> it's time to listen to the Beatles Stowe Boarding School bootleg. <laughs> the, the vamp for when Seeger's taking a dump. Bop. Bop. Bob. <laughs> April 4th, 1963, the Beatles held a private concert at the Stowe Boarding School in Buckinghamshire. Is that how you say it? (laughs) (laughs) Too many, too many syllables on that one. Buckinghamshire, sheer. Real Anglophile over there. (laughs) Yeah. Buckinghamshire. So the Stowe Boarding School, it's still in operation, TJ. You know, they charge 38,000 pounds a year. That's a lot of dough, my friend. And um, the nice thing about it is you get to be in one of the most picturesque places in the world in Vermont. And the kids can ski all winter, which is all really fun. They're ski bunnies. And the first time I've seen fish, what, 300 times? And the first time I saw fish in Stowe, they did a 50-minute version of Reba. That still hasn't ended. <laughs> I'm referring to Stowe, Vermont. Oh, Stowe. See, TJ, no, this is Birkinghamshire. Uh, Buckinghamshire. Buckinghamshire. <laughs> In the United Kingdom. Oh, different Stowe. Yeah. You know, there's a Stowe school in Chicago, too. It's an elementary school, like in Humble Park. So... Maybe someone should get a little Beatles. Maybe American English, if you're listening. Maybe you can go play the Stowe Elementary School and do this set. Somebody can record it on a 1960s <laughs> microphone. <laughs> One day we also won't be able to hear what you're saying. <laughs> Indeed. It was uh, organized months earlier, this concert, by one of the schoolboys, a kid named David Moores who I think was related to the Moors of Liverpool. They own the Littlewoods football pools. So these are like gambling people. Send in your coupon to Littlewoods, the one and only 600,000 pounds plus pool. And at first, Brian Epstein declined. uh, But then the next morning, he awoke to find a horse's head in his bed. So (laughs) he reconsidered. (laughs) Not true. But 100 pounds was uh, was the, the rate. The Beatles rate. And that was actually a little under their rate. This is like their midweek rate. The Beatles were very busy. This was in January when the offer was made. So the Beatles were popular in Liverpool and were just about to get big all around the US, you know, the UK and the UK. Did I say US? Yeah. You're a nationalist. I get it. <laughs> You know, hey, for real, can I tell you, you know what I would do with the border? (laughs) (laughs) You'd have American English play at the top of the wall. (laughs) When I get to the wall, I go back to the (laughs) top of the Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Brian Epstein honored the agreement. I think he did recognize the names like, oh, the, uh, the Moors. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep those people happy. And uh, yes, it was recorded by a 15-year-old student named John Bloomfield on a five-inch reel, 
presumably quarter inch tape. It's not about the size of the reel. It's about what it's about what's on it and what it can do for you. <laughs> but this is great. This is this is this is a uh, yeah. I mean, full disclosure: the sound quality is not great. It's it's very lo-fi, but this is an amazing discovery of the Beatles at this time. I think for diehards, this is a big deal. I disagree slightly, but I'm mm. coming from the perspective of someone who really only cares for the Sgt. Pepper release. <laughs> so the peripheral things. The Bee Gees I mean, one. <laughs> I mean, for God, Sandy Farina just does something to me. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. And I say... It's alright. Yeah, uh Tony, I, I agree with what you said times a thousand. What I my first note is if you slapped an apple and a universal logo and a Calderstone uh, name. And uh, if you slapped it on this and releases officially for uh, $200 at limited vinyl, just the way it sounds or mastered even a little bit, this thing would be a massive seller. It is a huge discovery that feels like the logical cousin to the Star Club recordings from the previous year. Because the band has clearly grown. The repertoire is changing. A lot of the, the covers here, the hippie hippie shakes and such, they were about to do in the BBC. So it's kind of becoming some of that catalog of material. A lot of these songs, of course, are on the first and some on the second live at the BBC. Not the same versions, of course, because right. this hadn't been heard before. But to have another Some Other Guy and to have Please Please Me, the recognition it gets because it was kind of a new single at the time, a newish song. The album tracks, people are calling out for Do You Want to Know a Secret? Um, they're, they, they call out for How Do You Do It a couple times. I heard that, to, yeah. Is, and, and they launch <laughs> into it. This, Tony, I remember so much of the criticism of Live at the Star Club uh, when like it was on Linga Song and Pickwick and all that in the mid late seventies was well the fidelity's terrible but what a historic document this to me is a million times what the Star Club tapes are Whoa. and to have this discovery hopefully that can be cleaned up one day because when else again would they play a set list this long Tony right all the set lists going forward were fits and starts and most of the time on the road even at this time they were doing sets half the length because they were on a bill with five other people it's true man this might be the longest Beatles concert after the Hamburg stuff that yeah. they ever did so certainly ever recorded for sure man yeah that is that is pretty wild to your point, yes, this is so this is going to sound like bootleg quality. It's going to be it's a lot of treble and it's a lot of mid range. There's like hardly any bass. The vocals are buried. Lo-fi bands, Times New Viking and Coach Whips were like, how did they get that sound? <laughs> Somebody get me Bloomfeld. <laughs> uh, but uh, George lost his voice and could not sing, but he makes up for it because the guitar, his guitar is the most prominent thing on this record by far. His guitar licks and John's rhythm chunks are so high in whatever mix you want to call this. Right. <laughs> I mean, John's got some rhythm stuff going on here too, Tony, that I've like never heard him play. I mean, it's there's a few that are isolated. The way it's mic'd, wherever they are on stage, it's like John's guitar's loud for a while, and then George's guitar here. So yeah, the 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 punk sensibilities of this record. I mean, file this under motherfucking rock, Tony. <laughs> file under rock. Because the rock chops they show on this, it's almost, you believe when John said that some of the juice kind of began to leave them, even in British Beatlemania, and then before they got to the States, because they'd already conquered so much, you still hear them conquering it here. There's no juice lost in this performance. Yeah, man. Yeah, the energy is definitely there. Even though you can't hear Paul's bass at all. Um, you can hear his vocals a little bit. 
I mean, you hear the drums, but yeah, it's just so lo-fi. They sound like pie tins, but you hear it. it I mean, it sounds like rattling jewelry or whatever when he right. hits a cymbal. <laughs> and that guitar, sometimes on those solos, George's guitar, it's like a fucking ice pick. You know, it's like it sounds like a like an old like a big black record or something. No question by roughly hippie hippie shake. I'm like, I need two Advil. <laughs> yeah, I, definitely. I couldn't take it. I'm like, I was getting a headache. God. I was listening in my cans and I was, I was, getting, a, <laughs> I was getting a headache. You got to pot is, it up to hear some of the stage banter and then you pot it back down. But the, yeah. yeah, yeah, I could hardly make out any of that stage banter to be quite honest. So I only heard a couple two tree things. Um, but not a lot. I heard a bunch of stuff, including I've got some Beatle uh, breaking Beatle news and also some uh, <laughs> Beatle conspiracy theories as Ooh. we go. Well, should we just should we just go like track by track? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, it starts off with. Uh You can actually hear kind of like orchestral music in the background. I think someone got a an advanced DJ copy of Penny Lane in the background, but yeah, just I, you know, I thought it was a beginning, or I thought it was maybe <laughs> the just the strings for Good Night. So <laughs> yeah. wonderful to hear the advanced copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> but John makes a joke. And he goes, "Hello, hello." He's testing the mic, and then he says, "Who's your lady friend?" like an old music hall song from 1913. Then they launch right into it. I saw her standing there. A lot of George, man. It's a lot of George, but the energy's there. What a great song to start this whole thing off with. Yeah, it's a, it may or may not have started an album. <laughs> it may or may not have. We don't know. We're not experts. If, We're just clowns. If, if only we knew. I mean, they wanted to open Please Please Me with Cold Turkey, but it was just before his release date. <laughs> yeah, we don't know when things came out. I'm never going to let it go. I'm going to hold it in my heart. Um, yeah, I mean, what a great opening. And then they go right into a very similar take from the BBC version in September of that year of too much monkey business. Both of those songs, by the way, have ripping George solos. Uh-huh. Especially I saw her standing there. I heard someone on YouTube kind of criticize the first part of his solo, but to me that was just rock and roll, you know. He was saying like, oh, the first part of the solo is not the same as the solo on the record. And it's like, yeah, it's not. I like that it's not. I'll listen to the record if I want to hear that one. Like these solos he do, A, they're way in the red. They're just like in your face. Uh, yeah. And he's, man, he, to me, he's just, he's, he's bringing that raunch, you know? Bring it, man. That's George. Like... To me, when I hear that Beatles song, Bad Boy... Everyone thinks that's like a John song, but to me, I think that's George. Because I, I think George was a little stinker in class and like did whatever the fucking, like no one told George what to do, you know? When you can hear that in his solos. Yeah. I mean, his solos have a, have kind of a, a middle finger quality to him in that tune. Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Yeah, man. Then we get to hear Love Me Do, which this is a rare thing. Like I've only heard like a BBC version live. Yeah. Because I don't. They didn't do this at Star Club, right? 
It's not on the album. It wasn't on the King Size Taylor tape if they did. Yeah. I'm sure they probably maybe did it, but I haven't heard it, you right. know? So this is like, to me, the only true live version that I can think of that I've heard of this that's not on the BBC. So it's just great. Here, of course, begins the boys clapping on the one and three. Yeah, these <laughs> these little Brit- these are the people who later voted for Brexit in this audience. <laughs> clapping on the one and three. <laughs> the one and three people voted for Brexit. <laughs> the great thing about this version of uh, Love Me Do is that you get to hear that kind of fun surf bit in the middle during the instrumental. Yeah, they changed the whole rhythm around, and they hint at changing the rhythm a couple other times in the song. I don't know if that's Ringo or Paul pushing each other, but they you can almost feel the rhythm about to change and doesn't, about to change and doesn't, and then in that middle eight, the harmonica solo, it just it becomes something glorious. You know, the version I have, I don't know if uh, we have a a UBP exclusive here. The tape stops for a second. George Martin angrily runs up to the stage, hands Ringo a tambourine, and Andy White takes the stage. (laughs) Untitled Beatles Podcast Exclusive. Exclusive. Alternate trivia. I missed that part, TJ. Yeah, that's, I mean, maybe I had a day. I I watched the AI version, and we are talking about practice. (laughs) We're talking about practice. Another thing I love that George does here, live Love Me Do with no fade out, George does a little Carl Perkins boogie woogie thing to get out of it. Yeah. The crowd knows the song. They love it. It's it's, it's a great moment of recognition of song and, and the way it's played. Then they go into some other guy, one of our favorite uh, covers that they never brought into the studio. Total, like, absolute madness, this one. This one is just, like, the guitars are so loud. It's almost like a Pussy Galore song. I'm going to make a lot of lo-fi band references. (laughs) Do it, and I'm just going to bring up Ram. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's how great to have another live version of some other guy. Yeah, it's great to have one more, man. I'll take as many as I can get as a collector. (laughs) Yeah, but then we get another live version of a song we rarely hear, Misery. I think this is one of my favorite parts of this tape is hearing some of these originals done live. Yeah. I just love hearing this version of the song and that some of these kids know the song. Yeah, well, because the album had been out for a couple of weeks, Tony, Mm -hmm. and they were so loved. They're going nuts on George's guitar runs, the part that are overdubbed with the piano on the original recording. Every time George plays the darn and air and air and air and air, the crowd goes crazy for it. And it's cool he can pull it off live because that's a, you know, it's a faster lick or whatever. Yeah. That's how you get to the middle of a Tootsie Pop. Fa- <laughs> faster lick. Mr. Owl, 
How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. A one, a two, a three. <laughs> three. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. Now, during Misery, you actually do hear the first hints, I think, of what appear to be girls screaming in the back. It's a boys' school, but there were a few girls in the back. I don't know if they were like the daughters of headmasters or whatever, but there are a few girls there. And as you hear the girls screaming in the background, which I think later inspired Paul's girls' school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, you can also hear how Ringo holds it together. This is my favorite drumming on this whole thing, because while there's chaos going on, it's another example of Ringo and that swagger holding everything together. They never go off the rails with Ringo behind the drums. For sure, man. Yeah, he, he uh, he was a rock in that way. Now, for the most part, there's been Paul banter up until now. Again, banter that I could hardly make out. Um, but John has some banter going into the next song, which to me, I call this John's Taste of Honey, a uh, cover of a song called I Just Don't Understand, another kind of a minor key waltz. I would have loved to have heard a studio version of this. Well, the clean version on BBC is pretty great. But yeah, yeah, like a proper studio reading of this. I mean, I think this is 20 times the song Taste of Honey is. Wow. Both the composition of the song and also with all due respect to Paul's crooner voice. I love John's bluesy take on this tune. So you would have had this on Please Please Me instead of Taste of Honey. Is no, I, w- I would change nothing. About please, please me, because I don't mess with perfection. Mr. Oh, I wish the White Album was an EP. I remember that comment. I said a 3P. I wanted it to be a 3LP, TJ. I want what's the new Mary Jane on there and the long version with the sound effects. What party? What a shame, Mary Jane. Uh, that song has bothered me since the first time I heard it on Ultra Rare Tracks. <laughs> Volume six, I think. All right. One other thing about this. You know, Spoon does a cover of this. Really? On their album, They Want My Soul from 2014. And I didn't deep dive enough uh, to know if they were Beatles influenced, but it's cool that a band of some notoriety covered this random tune. Will you call me your baby? You hurt me I just don't understand You know, I want to say Britt's dad was into the Beatles because I remember him making an allusion to that in the George Fest doc. Oh, yeah, because he sang, Britt Daniels sang I Mean Mine. Then we, we go into a shot of rhythm and blues, which is, you know, that's that's fine. Not, my, not one of my favorites. Who cares? No, although does either the band or the tape get weird after the first chorus? Is there a weird tape glitch or a band glitch after the first chorus? Something sounded off. That might have been Grandmaster Flash learning how to scratch, maybe. Yeah, he mixed this. I love uh, Grandmaster Flash's mashup of How Come Nobody Loves Me with uh, the message. It's <laughs> pretty big. They say that everyone wants someone I don't know Yeah, so that you're right. That's a fine one. This also sounds similar to the live of the BBC version. But then, Tony, we get a double hit of Ringo. 
yeah, well, well, kind of wild. This must be a logistical thing, right? Like, well, the microphone, <laughs> we don't want to do this twice. So we're gonna... it could break and shock you. <laughs> yeah. Either George was afraid to get shocked by the microphone since he had gotten shocked six years later at Twickenham, or he had lost his voice and was not able to sing. Hence the double dose of Ringo. Yeah, they start off with boys. And the boys in the crowd, the Stow boys go bananas for the Beatle boys. Ringo, Ringo. <laughs> Ringo. <laughs> This song feels slower, I will say, than the yes. recorded version, right? It is okay. slower. Yeah. Then they do Matchbox. And Tony, someone calls out, how do you do it right before Matchbox? Is that when that is? Okay. They do it again, <laughs> and the Beatles launch into it. We'll get to it. Do they know the history? Do they know that the Beatles passed on that and said, no, 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 here's Love Me Do? Exactly. Because the Beatles recording had not surfaced. No. It was, it, that, didn't re- that didn't surface till 1995. Yeah. Or on Boots in the 80s yeah. or whatever. But like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder, like, our kids mixing up Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas with the Beatles, you know? No, Tony is stupidly mixing up Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas with Jerry and the Pacemakers, who recorded How Do You Do It? It was number two in the UK at the time of the Stowe concert. It would top the charts the following week. Then, <laughs> then we get uh, a debut of a brand new song, their hit single coming out next week. It's going to be released on April 11th. This is April 4th. From me to you. How cool that it's the, a, a sneak peek of a song that's a week away from release. That's amazing to have this. It is amazing. It's totally cool. And I love the dynamics on this song. I think, I know, I know, I know. Please, please me over from me to you. But this song, for this recording, it's great that they go quiet because uh, you can hear them better. Yes. And again, you can hear more of that on beat clapping on the ones and threes. Actually, you know, later on when the Beatles cover Sweet Caroline, you can hear the boys go, so good, so good, so good. So they started that too, these damn boys. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's one of my least favorite things. It <laughs> is great. When the Beatles did Sweet Caroline at Candlestick and they had um, <laughs> Big Poppy <laughs> join them. Big Poppy, let's do this. <laughs> my boy. What's also kind of cool, though, and after the song ends, John says, save your clapping for the B-side. Yeah. And they launch. They launch right into Linda's B-side to C-side. <laughs> Right, and the Beatles invented reggae right there in Birkinghamshire, Birkenstockshire. Birkenstienenbergshire with Bloomfield. Buckinghamshire. Yeah, they go right into the B-side, and what a ripping version of this. I think it starts in the wrong key. I think they're... They, they, right, there was a little something in there, to begin, right? But why not? It's great. It's brand new. <laughs> Yeah, I love this. Again, yes, another early live version of an original that they would phase out not too long after this. So, yeah, and you can hear the, the, the crowd goes nuts when Ringo does the fills towards the end of the song. Yeah, it's cool. 
Then John does his take on the uh, Chuck Berry classic Memphis. Really, you can just hear it's like it's it's almost like just George's guitar and John's vocal. That's all I hear, unless that's John's guitar in there too. A lot of guitar on this. Yeah. Then we get, there's been some requests for this one, A Taste of Honey. And there's some crowd laughter at the top of this song, too. I don't know. Yeah. Boys were snapping towels or something. It's get, it gets giggles. It's very quiet. Are, they, are, the, are the Beatles hamming it up on stage? Yeah, Tony, I'll say it again. Am I a hypocrite for loving Till There Was You but not being able to tolerate Taste of Honey? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you had such disdain for this song. It's early, she's leaving. It's proto, she's leaving home. <laughs> Just treacly. And it's funny that they're both Paul tunes, She's Leaving Home and Taste of Honey. Yeah. Like, as a Paul defender, as a diehard Paul defender to well, the end. If you read the Paul defender, you'll see the point commentary. <laughs> How come George F. Wills writing an article about baseball and tug of war? What with one thing and another, it's a tug of war. The real winners from the 1960s were the conservatives. We expected more. I mean, there's 22, at least, right? Is it 22 songs? It's something like that. This is a long set, and they uh, they get into twist and shout. And you can feel the excitement when they do that build, man. It like, it almost blows out the damn tape recorder. It is so phenomenal. This is one of those file under rock moments. Uh, I feel like we're hearing, okay, help me with this in terms of who's playing what. I feel like we're not hearing George's lead. We're hearing John's chunky rhythm, and John's chunky rhythm chords are different than any I've ever heard him play in the song. It almost feels like he's doing the Who version. I know he's not, but... Oh, crazy. Yeah, man, that sounds really cool, actually. I'm going to have to listen to that again. Yeah, I love it. They're having such fun with this thing. Well, another weird kind of different chord to me is in the next song. It's actually at the end of Anna Go to Him. Yes. That, right? That ending chord is wild. I wrote, what a cool, dirty version of this. Yeah. Wrong chord at the end. Yeah, maybe it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but they make it work. I like it. It was kind of a, yeah, it's like a cliffhanger ending to that song. I wonder, because someone yells Anna right before they begin this, I wonder how much was set list and how much was suggestion based. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, they are, people are yelling out the songs. That's cool. I mean, good on them. This is a relatively new band, many of whom were like, who are these insects? Just months prior, yeah, they, they put out a number one single, and then they put out a record, and the record, you know, they bought this record, a lot of these kids bought this record, 
I mean, they're paying $38,000 a year when I was like, I'm sure they can afford it. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> One kid could only afford the EP. <laughs> So they're calling out songs, one of which is the next one. Please, please me. They oblige, man. And then you can hear the, the gals screaming during the middle eight. I love that. Yeah, man. This To me, this is, I mean, I know we just had Twist and Shout, but this is the most exciting moment to me. Obviously, it's my favorite Beatles tune, but also, so it's April, right? Yeah. It's been a long, cold, lonely winter. This song <laughs> came out then, and now they have a chance to explode and hear this song live. They're singing along to this it, this feels like a punk moment. It's almost like the whole crowd is singing the song solo. You hear the crowd singing every word of this. And I will say again, what rock songs end with a chord progression like that? It's about the most thrilling ending of any rock song I've ever heard. That's why I love the Beatles, because they were always trying to do something original. And I think, to me, that's a good way to live your life. Try and do something original. Try and do something. Don't follow the crowd. Find your own path. Dolly Parton, you know? Yeah, do- covering obscure songs like Let It Be. <laughs> Let It Be. Touche. <laughs> yeah, well, next up is the Hippie Hippie Shake, and the boys get rowdy during this one. Another ripping solo from George, laying waste to the guitar. And the recorder. You hear the crowd going crazy, and you're right. That George guitar solo, it's off the rails. Yeah, yeah, that's what's fun. Again, reminder to anyone who ever, you know, attempted to say that the Beatles didn't rock and that... uh, Mm. You know, the Who rocked and the Stones rocked or did blues better or whatever. Yeah, perfect. You know, whatever. But the Beatles did rock. Yeah. And forgive them for doing a little bit of everything better than anybody else. Sorry that they rocked better and they wrote better ballads and they had better albums and they had better singles and they had more variety in their music. No, they didn't just rock. They did every they did seven different things at an A plus. Yeah, they were a good band, right? <laughs> it's sold. It's sold. It's the bloody Beatles. <laughs> bloody Beatles. Shut up. Shut up. Well, shut up. Uh, <laughs> Stones did this next song too. Actually, talking about you, uh, another Chuck Berry number, and another again, another wild solo from George. It's almost dissonant his solo at the beginning, which I love that stuff. <laughs> I think they're all on a high coming off Please Please Me, going right into Hippie Hippie Shake, and I'm talking about you. They're just rocking out. The crowd is hot. Everything is going right. Beetle conspiracy alert, and I'll find the moment for you. I am pretty damn sure that at the beginning, uh, someone's screaming Long Tall Sally, and right after that, if you listen, somebody absolutely yells Carnival of Light. (laughs) I'm positive. So what do they know, and what do you know, and why have you brought me here? I think he's saying Coors Light. He wants to hit me with a Coors Light. This is Coors Light. There's nothing bigger. Coors Light, the world's most refreshing beer. I think I know what you're talking about with that excitement, though, because when they rip into Ask Me Why, which is not a ripper, they rip into it, and uh, they have to kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a tone it down. Yeah, they, they came in hot into this song. Yeah, which serves it well. I, I really feel like, I mean, Beatle Hot Take, this might be the most underrated John track. His voice, the delivery of it, the chord changes, the rhythm shift on the bridge, the major seven on the Ask Me Why in the chorus. 
Yeah. This song is ornamented for an early simple ballad. It's like the beginning of If I Fell comes from this song. Yeah, man. It's definitely a complex little number, especially for a, a little pop combo. And there's some screaming that breaks out in this song for some reason. I thought that was kind of... I'd like to know what that was about. I think there's a chance it's because the lunch lady was in the <laughs> in the back shaking them. <laughs> 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 Well, you may be right, TJ. We'll never know. Uh, little John Bloomfeld didn't bring his camcorder that day, so we'll never know, TJ. But I have a I have a theory that this is the moment when the headmasters poke their head into the room because that's when Paul says, "Oh, we're gonna do a song from the Music Man now," and uh, <laughs> they go into "Till There Was You." You know, like everyone be cool. We're gonna play "Till There Was You." Now. <laughs> That's maybe you're right. That would make sense because that's the song that is certainly when they did it on Sullivan helped get American parents into thinking, oh, these these boys are okay. Well, then they go into money. Okay, so before we get into money. The how do you do it guy is back and they launch into it for a split second. Well, okay, so they tease him with that and then they go and then they tease us, at least the tape teases us with an incomplete version of money. So apparently, TJ, I had read that Little John Bloomfield later recorded over this song with a copy of the Trashman's Surfin' Bird. I went, everybody's heard about the bird. The bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. The bird is a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. Well, the bird is a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. That's one of my favorite tunes. <laughs> it's a great tune. It is a great tune. But to tape over like this once in a lifetime concert <laughs> in retrospect seems misguided. But yeah, that's that's what I read. And that's why we get uh, just the very beginning of money and it kind of uh, goes away. So that's interesting because I thought that money went into I saw her standing there because someone stopped the band because they had a request for I saw her standing there. Oh, no, no, because the. There's no applause or anything like, no, you can hear the tape get quieter, right? Yeah. But then they go into a, to a reprise of I Saw Her Standing There. I mean, they just play it again, right? Yeah. They were like, oh, crap. We only play usually 25-minute sets, 30-minute sets. We're, we ran out of songs, <laughs> or at least. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> we're not going to do how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's not a good song. Cue Jerry and the Pacemakers. <laughs> they give it their all. Still don't love it. How do you do what you do to me? I wish I knew. If I knew how you do it to me, I do it to But they do. Yeah, they go and they do. I saw her standing there. I think the guitar solo this time is more closer to the album version. the ones we missed because of the tape are Sweet Little Sixteen and Long Tall Sally were the ones that were played and not recorded. Well, there it is, man. It's uh, I still think it's probably a collector's only, diehard's only thing because as we both experienced headaches while <laughs> listening to this. Yeah. 
but it's an amazing document of the Beatles live show. It's not marred by Beatlemania screams. That should be noted. I would love to hear a properly cleaned up version of this. You know, until then, just put on a Guided by Voices record before you listen to this. Get your ears, you know, <laughs> oiled for that experience. <laughs> <laughs> Historically, Tony, I think it's every bit as relevant as the Star Club stuff, and I don't think the sound quality is that much worse. Yeah. If if Same they can setup. clean this up even a little more, yeah, exactly. And the set list is so much more interesting because they'd grown as performers in the year or so between Star Club and when this was recorded. Well, there you have it, man. There you have it. I'd like to thank our producer, Casey Baker who's uh, busy on jury duty. We hope the jury makes a decision soon. He's an alternative juror, so he's wearing flannel. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a cool, ironic T-shirt underneath it. He's got the Reality Bite soundtrack on cassette. I went out. Everybody's heard about the bird. The bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. The bird is a winner. Well, the Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Give me one minute. This is a two flush job. <laughs> It's the wrong Cottonellen here. I have to. I have to wait for it to reset. <laughs> it's, it's an old toilet. <laughs> we're not. We're not playing the venues I'm accustomed to playing anymore. <laughs> this county fair shit sucks. <laughs> Somebody told me not to eat that corn dog. <laughs> oh God.